and welcome to Neither of the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the illuminatory Matt. Hello there. So, Matt, we are talking about the Eaters of Light this week. We are. And I say this week, it feels like it's no time at all since I last spoke to you. Little heads up, we're just recording this on a Wednesday night. So it's, it's not going to be as sexy and as sultry as when we recorded that Monday night. Everyone knows Monday's the hottest oh. night of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, can, uh, can I begin with an apology, David? Feel free, now. Feels like a few weeks since we've done this. Um, yes, indeed. So, obviously, last week I was in isolation when we recorded our episode. Yeah. And I gave it a little listen back. I was just a real misery guts. I was just sat there. <laughs> you were just going, oh, what did you think of this episode? And I was like, yeah, I suppose it's all right if you like that sort of thing. So, apologies. So, should we have, should we have a bloody good time this evening, David? We'll do our level best, eh? Yeah. Let's get a shift on. <laughs> That's how you're rolling, is it? Uh, I'll be honest, I'm sticking with my customary tea. Oh. I'm on the... Uh, the Beer Continentale. I'm on the mm. Stubbies. But that, on that, the Stubbies. That was a can of Peroni from a Tesco meal deal thing. <laughs> you know, the old buy a pizza, buy a garlic bread, get some free beers. Yeah, nice. Um... Should we start there then, Matt? This 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 pizza you got is that your meal of the week? Oh hell no! I mean, <laughs> it was quite nice, but I'm trying to think what my meal of the week would be. Not that pizza. Yeah. Um, what have I had this week? I mean, it's only been like three days since I talked to you. Um, no, that's the thing. It's 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 potentially slim pickings. Yeah, and not to segue off, but like, did we record on Saturday last? I can't remember whether it was Saturday or Sunday now. I think it was Saturday. And then, yeah. basically, on the Monday, I went for my COVID jab. Yeah. In the morning. That is the day that I bought said pizza, because I went to Big Morrison's. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, being Tuesday, I woke up at about 7am, and because I'd had my jab, slept all the way through till half six in the evening. Wow. Then got up, made myself a cup of tea and thought, if I'm going to fall asleep, I might as well go to bed. And then I woke up at 10am this morning. So I've slept something like 22 out of the last 24 hours. That's impressive. Yeah. That is not genuinely I- not impressive. Not ill, just, just a little bit tired. Just had a big nap. <sighs> and then today, I... I just woke up and thought, oh, if I'm, if I'm going to be tired, I might as well get on the sofa. So I watched Infinity War and Endgame. And then just mm-hmm. had like a little nap. Amazing. Just the, the two of them back to back. Yep. Just did a big like seven hour stretch. So to answer Amazing. your question, what's my meal of the week? It's probably Barocca or tea. It's <laughs> pretty much what I've been sustaining myself with. Um, some Fair tonics, enough. caramel wafers. Oh, I can't go wrong with a tonics, um, caramel wafer. Trying to think. That's that's been pretty you much know, it. You know what? Tonics caramel wafers. That specifically makes me feel nostalgic for our D and D group. Yeah. Because 
I mean, we had we we were all quite impressive when it came to bringing in the snacks when we were doing the session. But every once in a while, someone would walk in with Tannock's caramel wafers, and whoever they were was basically the hero of the day. In fact, I, I, I have, in I have on that note, I've thought of my meal of the week. Because oh, we yeah? must have recorded on Saturday, because Sunday mm -hmm. was the big Warhammer game. Oh, yes, it was. Remember you teasing that. Yeah. And, I, and I made a How beautiful pulled pork for everyone. 12 hours ah. put insider in the slow cooker. Oh, all right. Went down a storm. Mm, excellent. And most importantly, I won. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, I say I won. I was on a team. There was me, mm -hmm. Dr. Tim Riley. I didn't realise he was yeah. a doctor. So we'll refer to him as Dr. Tim Riley from now on. And my friend Chris, as a trio, won our game. I was so pleased. Ah, congratulations. Yeah. And when I say um, I won, I mean, genu genuine like, patience. beaten into submission, didn't take any hostages, you know. It was just brutal. We were sacrificing children in the street. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, I'm yeah. going for pulled I, I pork. I wish I could... Yeah, Warhammer's one of those things where I like... I feel like on paper, I should enjoy it. But I never have. You know, I've tried a few times over the years. And it's just never clicked with me. Ah, uh, see. It's because you have to play it a few times. You have to build a, a rapport and a love oh, for your but, army. Be believe me, I did. You know, especially in my younger years. Because my brother was hugely into Warhammer. Um, I mean, that was partly, potentially partly it. it was, he effectively bullied me into playing Warhammer with him for about three years until I just had to say to him, look, I do not enjoy this. I'm getting nothing out of this. Does he want to come around my house for a game anytime? I'm sure he would. All right. I have absolutely no doubt that he would. Let's make it happen. <laughs> then we can put this... This podcast mess to bed once and for all. <laughs> Are you you gonna dump me for my brother? Yeah. You know what? You probably would get on quite well. And we'll start a podcast <laughs> called uh, "Neither the Time War the P the Space." Yeah, that works. That works. Yeah. Isn't it bad that after nearly three years, I still can't remember what our podcast is called? <laughs> you don't have to do the intro every every no. week. No. So, what was your meal of the week? So, my meal of the week um, would probably have been last night. So, um, I'll, I'll begin by saying I'm back at work this week. Okay. Um, so, that's a thing. Um, and I actually had a job interview for a different uh, position within the team um, yesterday. I didn't get it. So I said, ah, oh, fuck it. We're having pizza. Um, take away pizza tonight. So that's what we did. Did, did you get nice feedback, it was good. though? That's what everyone says when you fail a job interview. <sighs> Just like, did you get good feedback, though? Like, because, I mean, I, I mentioned that. Shit. Yeah, I didn't get a job that I applied for not so long ago. But mm -hmm. everyone was like, oh, but your feedback was good. Yeah, well, feedback this. I wanted that job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of 
neither here nor there, is it? Um, at, at the end, of, I, I'm not. I'm not like remotely bitter about it because it went to someone else within the team who I think is prop. At the end of the day, had more experience than me and will be fantastic in the role. So I absolutely cannot begrudge them. But I wasn't even aware whether or not she was even going to go for it. So I was like, well, I've got to throw my hat in the ring. So that's all I did. Um, so, yeah, not at all bothered by that. Um, but, yeah, couldn't really care less about the feedback. But I did care about the pizza. Yeah, um, so, yeah, stuffed crust, vegetarian special. Mm, nice. Cheesy garlic bread on the side. I I mean, it was... I've, it was devastating towards the end because I have no self-control when it comes to pizza and I definitely should have stopped to slice before I did yeah I, I must admit when I when I had the big pizza this week my my new mm. pizza tactic is always leave one slice for the next day because even if I really yeah. want it I, I'll feel better in the long run yeah yeah I absolutely should have done but you know hindsight's uh, a wonderful thing isn't it um, but yeah, uh, do, do you want to, do you, you want to go through, I mean, we're doing an evening record so we can get, go through your whole menu if you like uh, for today. So this morning for breakfast, I had a Barocca, an orange one and mm-hmm. a cup of tea. At lunchtime, I had a chili beef quesadilla using some of the chili con carne my wife made for tea last night. But I didn't eat because I was Very in bed. Good. And then yeah. for tea tonight, just a bit of tomatoey pasta with cheese on it. Oh, I've, nice. not, I've not had much of an appetite. I haven't really been doing anything. Mm. Um, I'm hoping tomorrow I'll be back to my best and be out and about properly. But mm. Well, you know, you just got to take it day by day, haven't you? Exactly. Um, the important thing is you had the jab. You yeah. Know. Doesn't, you know... It was funny, because when I went, I was in the first slot of the day, or so I thought. I was Mm -hmm. in 8 o'clock till half past 8 in the morning. And when I got there, there were big signs that said, please remain in your car until five minutes before your appointment. And I thought, Mm -hmm. well, obviously that's if they've got big queues. I'm in the first slot of the day. I don't really know where I'm going. I'm just going to go check where the entrance is. Just so, because I, mm-hmm. I had to go to the football ground at Darlington, so it's a huge site. And yeah. when, when I went round the corner to see where the entrance is, the gentleman said, oh, can I just check your booking? And I showed him it, and he was like, this says 25 past 8. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he said, it's 10 past 8. The sign says, wait in your car. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I just didn't know where I was going, sir. Please don't shout, sir. And he was like, it's fine, you can wait here. And he sort of toddled off in a huff. And then another person yeah. came out and was like, you all right, are you just waiting? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, the guy said I had to wait. And he was like, wait wait for what? There's literally no one else here. And he was like, come with, come with me, I'll, I'll get you in. He was like, don't listen to him, he's a bloody job's worth. <laughs> so this guy just asked me to wait for an appointment where I could have just walked straight in. I... Mm-hmm. Couldn't really fathom what was happening. Just luck of the draw, isn't it, with these things? You know. Yeah. Uh, same. Same as with any any big organization. I think people have got their different ways of dealing with it. Um, different ways of of, of kind of like strategizing. But uh, 
Yeah, it seems mad if you were literally the only person there. Yeah. So he was like, "Oh, you've got to wait got... till the queue goes down." <laughs> I was like, "Lovely uh, me and you." Here. But I, yeah, I, I am the queue. <laughs> exactly. I just, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. But obviously, you don't want to cause a scene at the vaccination center. So I was just like, "Hi, mate. Don't worry if you no. want me to wait." Um, but one, one thing I just want to tag on the end of that. We will get back to your meals of the yeah. day. Um, of course. Is obviously I had to drive a little bit of a distance there and back and do a little bit of waiting. Mm-hmm. So I've listened to quite a few Doctor Who podcasts this week. Oh right, right. Okay. What have you What have you had on? Well, obviously I listened to the always excellent Married to Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, listened to their review of the Eaters of Light because obviously that's the episode we're talking about today, and I, I like to always steal their trivia and pass it off as my own. <laughs> uh, I also listened to The Cloister Bell this week. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Liam and Rob. What were they talking about this They week? were reviewing Dalek, which is oh, one of classic. the first good episodes I remember. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check. I don't know whether we gave it a good episode. And I, all... I, I, I certainly will have. I don't know whether. I don't know how that one landed with you at the time. I, I don't think know. you might have been sceptical. I think I prefer it in hindsight. I think I was put off by all the internet yeah. silliness. But actually, it's not that mm. bad, is it? Nah, it's, it's bloody good. Actually, I was recently listening to Jubilee, which is the big finish play by the same writer that was loosely the basis for Dalek. Like. And when I say loosely, I mean loosely. Basically, I mean, that was a four-part, like, two-hour story. Um, and it's got all kinds of, like, weird alternate future stuff. Um, it's obviously featuring the Sixth Doctor and Evelyn, so that's a very different vibe to Ninth Doctor and Rose. It's basically what, what Rob Shearman carried over from Jubilee was it's one Dalek on its own. Yeah. But... <laughs> That's basically where the similarity ends. But they are both fantastic because Rob Shearman is, I think, one of the most interesting and unique writers within well, the history of the, Doctor Who. The Cloister Bell boys had got in touch more. with him and he'd like offered like memories and hindsight and insight. It was brilliant. Oh, gosh. I've got to give that a listen then because I, uh, Rob Shearman, I think, is, is, a, is just a fascinating writer. Um, I, and actually, I've got. I recently picked up in a sale. Um, Big Finish have did an audiobook version of some of his short stories, like not Doctor Who stuff, just you know other short literary short short stories that he's written. And I, I can't wait to dig into those because he, I think he he's just a fascinating writer. Um, and so yeah, I also listened to yes. the Who Can Convince You podcast. All right. I still need to dig more into their archive. Well, the, the trouble I find, their, their episodes are so daunting because they're massive. Yeah, it was three hours this week, <laughs> the one yeah. I listened to. <laughs> um, so they were looking at Attack I mean, of the Cybermen. We did that once. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, like, we did three hours once for our 100th episode and basically said, never again. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys, it's just like every week. Because, and to be fair, it's because every week they are reviewing a 
classic story and a new who story. Yeah, so they so did Attack of the Cybermen and Into the Forest sorry, in the Forest of the Night this week. Mm. Now interesting. Interesting pairing there. It off the back of that, the guys from yeah. Who Can Convince You have been in touch and asked our opinion on the recent thirteen is it series thirteen trailer? Series 13, yeah. 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 So what we've done is recorded a little bit of audio giving our thoughts and feelings. Mm. It's mainly David, because I've seen the trailer. It made no sense to me. Um, <laughs> but what we thought we would do is put our thoughts and feelings into that segment of their pod, because we're recording this like two weeks in advance, so it'll be old news by the time this comes out. Yeah. So if you want, no, no, no one will care by the by the time you're listening to this. So yeah. yeah. So if you want to know David's thoughts and feelings on that, I'll be linking their episode in our Twitter and all sorts. Mm. But one thing I thought we could do, David, just just to tie together with the Who Could Convince You pod, is they played a game yes. on their episode this week, and I thought it'd be interesting to play it with you. Okay. Okay. So I'm up for that. There's a little bit of theatre of the mind required. I'm no stranger to that. Okay, so David, I want you to imagine you've woken up in a room Mm -hmm. and stood around you is every incarnation of the Doctor. Right, okay. Okay. And all you need to do... Quite a large room. All you need to do is just describe Mm -hmm. their smells. So we'll start with the first Doctor. What what do you imagine he smells of? Uh like like a secondhand clothes shop. Like oh, clothes shop. I was so close to saying a secondhand bookshop, like musty and old. And... Yes, exactly, exactly that sort of thing. Like vaguely, like old tobacco and mothballs. And old wood panelling. What yeah, What about the second kind of Doctor? Second Doctor? So what? Uh, <laughs> just... Just in need of a wash, I think. Wow. wow. Just just someone who's, who's a day overdue for a bath. Well, the answer I've written down for Troughton is Paxo. Just saging onions. So also, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Okay, third doctor. Um, just some kind of awful seventies aftershave. Uh, I've gone for a pint of mild and a rolly cigarette. <laughs> yeah, that could also. Yeah, maybe just working also. men's I just club. Think, I just think. I think yeah, just like that's that would be the underlying scent, but I, I but I feel like. The third Doctor would slap some kind of just ghastly aftershave on top of that. Okay, fourth Doctor. Because uh, fourth Doctor. What would the fourth Doctor smell like? I mean, the obvious answer is jelly babies. I'm going to say like fish and chips. Yeah. I I think he has sort of just like a just like a seaside carnival vibe to him. I imagine like Growing up, because my dad used to work on farms and what have you, 
mm-hmm. our back shed where he used to keep his wellies and there was always like a sack of potatoes and it just smelled <laughs> of like the earth. Yeah. I imagine he smells a bit like that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. You know, when you haven't cleaned your lawnmower often enough and it just smelly... So it... I was going to say, we both went for sort of potato-based yeah. <laughs> options yeah. there. Okay, fifth Doctor. Um, fifth Doctor. I'm thinking, like, sort of floor polish. Yeah? Yeah, I, I just... Or maybe... Maybe that's unfair. Maybe... Uh, but... I, I, I think he he would be he would have sort of like a, a fresh clean sort of smell. Yeah. Yeah. I, so. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I can't separate him from cricket whites. So I'm just thinking of. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. That's it. I didn't want to say the obvious thing, which is like just willow and and mm. uh, and leather. Mm. But what, what about it is the obvious thing? What about the sixth Doctor? The sixth. Doctor. The sixth Doctor is... Oh, that's a challenging one. I'd say roast pork. What is it? I was about to say roast di- dinner. Mm. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're on the same page again there. Yeah. It has to be. And you know what? I think if you listen to any of his big finish stuff, it, it, even more so. Because the difference between on-screen... Sixth Doctor and Big Finish Sixth Doctor is basically he has exactly the same personality he's just a little jollier with it so it's like that sort of he's every bit as arrogant but in a slightly more comfortable old man way uh-huh. like you could imagine him just holed up in, in, in the nook of a country pub uh-huh. um, so yeah Okay, seventh Doctor. Yeah, seventh Doctor. I've been, I've been, continuing to chip away at the seventh Doctor. I'm, I've got one episode left on his first season, um, the final episode of Dragonfire. Um, so this should be fresh in my mind, but the seventh Doctor remains the most of an enigma to me out of all of the Doctors. Um. don't know i want to say you know if i i I would say actually bookshop for him Uh, see i went steak and kidney pudding Mm. no i think he's because he's got he's got that more professorial quality to him Mm. i think so i'm gonna stick with yeah papery yeah paper and ink newspaper smell uh what about the eighth doctor um just um like a summer's breeze see i've i've gone for like he's just so dreamy isn't I, he i've gone so. for brute tonic aftershave because that's what sex smelled mm. like in the 90s <laughs> yeah yeah that's that fits for sure yeah. okay and uh, number 9 Oh, we're skipping war, are we? Oh, we can do war if you want. Yeah. I mean, war's a bit obvious. It would have to be like sort of gunpowder, wouldn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. I feel like. I bet he smells. If you've ever been. Hair. Yeah, if you've ever been camping and you sleep next to the bonfire and the next day everything <laughs> just smells of smoke. Yeah, yeah, that's what I imagined for war. Um, so, Ninth Doctor. Um, I mean, I've already said it, but now I'm thinking Ninth Doctor is the Chips Doctor, isn't he? Yeah. Like, because Rose is always on at him to get some chips. Yeah. And he spends so much of his time on in present day <laughs> Earth. Yeah. If ever there was a Chips Doctor, it's the Ninth Doctor. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tenth. Tenth Doctor. Hmm. This is a tricky one. Ah. I've gone for Lynx body spray. Because I think he'll smell nice, but not not as cool as he likes to think he is. (laughs) Yeah. And like aggressively. Yeah. (laughs) You know, subconsciously worried about his BO. So sprayed himself with Lynx. Lynx Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Eleventh. Eleventh. Eleventh Doctor. Um, I think Brill Cream. I don't know. Hair gel. Brill Cream. Yeah. Yeah. Hair gel and shoe polish. Yeah. Yeah. What about Capaldi? Yeah. Capaldi. Um. You see, again, like Seventh Doctor, my first thought is, is, is he's, you know, he's a bookie doctor, isn't he? Well, I'll, you know, chalk dust. Yeah. Because he's always at the blackboard, isn't he? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> chalk dust. Do, do guitars have um, a smell? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the wrong person to answer that. Mm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And then, for Jodie Whittaker, I think the Who Can Convince You podcast gave the perfect answer. What was that? Vimto. (laughs) Yeah, I can't top that. Yeah, it's just the perfect answer. Like, I was in my car thinking, oh, I don't know about that one. And as soon as they said it, I was like, yeah, that's it. Uh, hats off to okay. I, I'm gonna have to listen to that episode because I, I want to know what all their other answers were. That's fantastic. Um, okay, well, on the subject of Jodie Whittaker and the recent Comic Con panel, um, I think we should dive into Would I Lie to Who? Okay, which, uh, I've got a little something prepared for that. I, I don't think people um, will forgive me if I don't ask David for you to tell me what you've mm-hmm. eaten today before we get into that. We, we oh, took a I massive tangent, that? but you've just got to tell us your okay. breakfast what you had today okay it's not exciting okay so i'll just rattle through it shreddies for breakfast lunch was a packet of cheetos uh and dinner was uh sausages uh and roast potatoes gravy and some green beans prepared by my lovely partner lovely um so um, yeah, so this uh, for this week's Would I Lie to Who? Uh-huh. Um, I obviously I've I've watched the full Comic Con panel, um, which I'm assuming you didn't. Um, you nope. had you had four guests on there: showrunner Chris Chibnall, plus the the main cast for series thirteen, which is Mandip Gill, um, John Bishop, and of course Jodie Whittaker as the thirteenth Doctor. 
And, but I'm sure, whilst you didn't watch that one, you've seen Comic Con panels before, right? Yeah. And so basically, they're trying to promote a thing without actually saying anything spoilery about the thing, which means that they basically can't talk about it at all. Yeah. So they end up just talking, just talking a load of inconsequential nonsense for 20 minutes. Yeah. Someone will say, what can you tell me about the new series? And they'll say, we had a lot of fun making it. And that's it. Exactly. Yeah. So you end up with these sort of anecdotes where you're like, oh, yeah, that's sort of fun. But it's like, it's ultimately a very unsatisfying experience. Um, But so I'm going to present to you three options for little anecdotes that were dropped in uh, the Comic-Con panel. And I want you to tell me, Matt, which one is real. Okay. So, uh, A. Mandit Gill signed a Dalek's bump during a location shoot. Uh, B. John Bishop did a little fart during a pivotal line delivery. Uh Uh-huh. Or C. Jodie Whittaker... Lost count of how much red wine she downed during the rap party. Oh dear. Oh dear. Right, well, first things first, I'm going to have to dismiss A, because I don't know who Mandit Gill is. So, we'll move on from that. She plays Yaz in the trailer. She's one of the main featured people in, in that very brief trailer. Could have been anyone. But, um, she, basically, she's, she's the main companion. Okay. So, but you're dismissing that out of hand. The the Just, the, the story that she she signed a Dalek's bump. Uh, I don't know. Now I know she's quite shoot. important. I might change my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I don't think it's Jodie Whittaker drinking wine. I think you've put that in there because we've talked about Jodie Whittaker drinking wine before. Mm-hmm. Um. What was the other one? John Bishop? Did a little fart during a pivotal line delivery. And did he laugh when he was telling this story or was he apologetic? Or... No, he was laughing. He was telling it as, as here's a funny little story from when, I, when I've been making Doctor Who. Okay. And in what context did Jodie Whittaker reveal that she drank too much wine? Was she bragging? Was she apologetic? No, it was just it was just they were talking about like you know ah uh, yeah we've had so much fun making this series and it was like a little offhand comment okay. about you know. And why did Mandit Gill need to sign a Dalek's bump? Was it pregnant? Well, no, because it was okay. So you you know the bumps on Daleks. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I yeah. believe the technical term is is um sense the uh, what was it. Um, what's it called? A sense of sphere or something like that. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, basically, sometimes when word gets out quite quickly, if if they're doing location shoots for Doctor Who, you know that spreads around Twitter and certain types of fans who you know just have a cosplay to you know that they can grab at a moment's notice will will do that and and just sort of like rock up and get autographs and stuff like that. And so this one fan turned up in a full Dalek cosplay. 
and uh, got Mandic Gill to, to sign one of his bumps. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I think I'm going to go for John Bishop did a pump. <laughs> you would be correct, Matt. Well done. Oh, good. That that was what that one was tough. Not because mm. like I thought you'd sensationalised and put effort into them. They were all like quite bland. <laughs> I was just like, I don't don't <laughs> really know. Like, mm. well, that was that was the aim. I was just like, uh, this is the this is the level of stuff you get out of a comic con panel. Right. Well, in the ongoing yeah. battle, yeah. that brings it to eleven all. <laughs> oh, twenty-two weeks. This just keeps just keeps going <laughs> on and on, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. I, I, do you remember the enthusiasm with which you originally introduced this segment? Yeah. I, I'm still I'm still there. I just can't believe we've got, like... We've probably got that again to go before we get to Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's a fair old hole. Yeah. Certainly we'll, we'll be done with Capaldi before we're done with Would I Lie to Who. Yeah. We've got to think of a new game for yeah. next year. I, oh, we will I, do, yeah. I, I'm thinking we scrap we all the features that. for next year. Like, we said we'd do Meal that of the Week exciting. just so we could pick our Meal of the Year. But do we go for a second yeah. year? Or do we just just totally scrap it? I think we, we regenerate, Matt. Yeah. I think you're onto something there. Yeah. yeah. New A new era of the pod. Yeah. So, so that'll be something to look forward to, listeners. Yeah, I mean... I know normally I say if you've got any ideas, don't send them in. In this case, you can, because I ain't got a Scooby-Doo what we'll be doing next year. (laughs) One good Um, idea, that's all I've ever had. Would I lie to you? And I'm already sick of it. (laughs) Well, shall we move on from it for now and maybe have a little chat about the Eaters of Light? Yeah. Well, we'd... Do we need to do television highlight of the week? I haven't watched anything. Ah, you know what? I will. I will. I'd forgotten about that one, but I will mention it purely because it's such a weird one for me. I'm ha- currently having one of my fits of sports enthusiasm. For the Olympics? And I- Nope. I've gotten really sucked into the 100 cricket tournament. Okay. Sadly, for all my talk of sport, one sport I don't watch yeah. is cricket. Well, you see, I don't, I've not really watched much of it over the years because my, my history with cricket, basically, is that I got really sucked into the two, 2005 Ashes. Um, it's the first time I'd ever really followed a cricket tournament properly. I, I got really excited by it. I watched pretty much every day of the Ashes that year. And then immediately Channel 4 lost the rights and it went to Sky and I never got to watch any cricket again for a really long time. But the exciting thing about the 100 is it's this brand new tournament. It's short, shorter matches, about two and a half hours. Um, and they're all either being broadcast on, uh, or at least the majority, I think, either on, on BBC to or streamed live on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's accessible in a way that cricket hasn't been for me for a very long time. And it sucked me right back in. 
Um, and I've, I've actually been particularly enjoying watching the, the women's matches as well. Because frankly, the, the, the level of play in those teams, sort of what I've seen, has been stronger than it has in the men's teams. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it's all completely pointless. And it, it's quite funny because like tr- fans of, long-standing fans of county cricket absolutely hate it. They are, like, because it's like being pitched at a younger audience and it's new, they, they're just, they're up in arms over it. But, you know, I'm just happy to have full cricket matches that I can watch. Nice. So, uh, yeah. Um, like I say, I haven't watched anything really on the telly, but I could tell you, if I give you two options, you can choose which story to tell you. I could tell you okay. the story of the first time I ever shouted at my wife, which happened this week, or mm. a further story about my house being covered in slime. <laughs> um, I, I mean, the former intrigues me because it sounds very out of character, but the second sounds sounds lighter. You know what? Tell me the former one and see if you can if you can work the latter in later on in proceedings. If things are getting <laughs> if we're getting a bit dog bogged down, just pop in with your slime story. Okay, so I, I might just save it for the end of the episode. Uh, yeah, why not? If we don't get round to it before. So then. you know, I mentioned how I was in bed for like twenty four hours. Uh, yeah. Well, yesterday when my wife came home from work. Uh, she opened the door at the bottom of the stairs and shouted upstairs to say she was home. No response from me mm-hmm. because I was uh, flat out asleep. So then she said she mm-hmm. came upstairs and came in the bedroom and said hello to me. No response because I was flat out asleep. Then she managed to run a bath. Our bathroom wall is next to the bed where I sleep, so it would have been pretty loud. I didn't stir at yeah. all. Obviously, she came yep. in the bathroom to get dry, turned her hair dryer on. I didn't stir at all. So she went back downstairs, watched a bit of telly. And then when she came back upstairs, uh, we've got one of those lights that like simulates sunrise and sunset. Mm-hmm. And when it was on its lowest setting, so really, really dim, as soon as she pressed mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make a noise to turn the light off. I jumped up like bolt upright in bed, shouted... I, I don't like swearing, but shouting, oh, you fucker, what are you doing? And, and she was just like, I'm just turning the light off. I was like, fucking shit myself, what are you doing? And then I just laid back down and went back to sleep. Uh, yeah, so we've laughed oh, about man. it today, but I don't think she was very happy at the time. No, I expect not. No. Man, uh, you've, you've not been right, have you? I don't respond well to being like woken up, but it's the fact that she made so much noise and I didn't even stir. But when she just gently pressed a <laughs> silent button that makes no noise and the dimmest of lights that went off. That was the thing. Yeah, it just made me go mad. <laughs> Excellent. Three years of marriage and I've never uh, once shouted at her. We've never once had a crossword in anger at one another until last night. Amazing. Um, Alrighty then. So, Matt. Yep. Um, 
do you want to start with listener tweets or do you want to give give us your initial assessment of the Eaters of Light? Well, as is tradition, I think we'll start with the listener's tweets, if that's okay. Okay, then. Yeah, go for it. Um, let's just have a moment of awkward silence when I find them. Right, so we will start with a message from James Swift. And this week, David, okay. I'm proud to announce... He was the swiftest. Hey, so I, well done, I sent him James. a message saying congratulations for being the first response this week. You truly are swift, James Swift. <laughs> okay. So now, now you just got to keep it up, yeah. James, yeah. for the rest of the year. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he says, personally, <laughs> this is one of my least favourite of the series and this era of Doctor Who. Mm. It's incredibly boring and I find myself skipping it on a rewatch. I don't mind a Doctor Who episode, which is a swing and a miss, but with this, I just didn't feel like they were trying. Mm-hmm. Brutal assessment from Swift there. Yeah, pretty... pretty. I'm, I'm not surprised that that was our first response. I'm hoping we get a bit of variety, but I'm, I'm a little worried that they're all going to be along those lines. We'll see. Okay, so next up is Amy. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello, Amy. I also forgot you have to say hello to James as well. Hello, James. I don't know why. If I ever forget to say, like, (laughs) David, you need to say hello, it's always when I get to Amy's tweets that I remember. I don't know why. (laughs) But, Amy, that's the role you fulfil in this show, okay? Amy says... That and... uh... Amy always pulls out a good quote, which I like. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, Amy says, I think this is an okay episode. I sense a bit of poetry to it, plus 12 is hilarious in it. I love how he sees it as his duty to stand in the gap for them, but some fights just aren't his. There's the great scene with Missy too. That's the trouble with hope. It's hard to resist. Mm. Yeah. No, it's. I think I think poetry. That's an interesting, uh, interesting word to use there. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming on from with that one. So, yeah. Okay. I'm glad it wasn't as negative as uh, as James's. Yeah. Just because it's good to have variety. I think. Yeah, it's the spice of life. That's what I've heard. Indeed. Okay. Next up is Ariel. Say hello, David. Hello, Ariel. Okay. Have we had Ariel before? Yeah. Yeah, she's a fairly newcomer, but she's been around. Excellent. Okay, she says, I don't think it's very popular, but I really like it. I thought the message about understanding other people was effective and the historical setting was cool. Yeah. Yeah. um, We'll we'll, we'll see see where where you and I stand with it at the moment. But we've kind of gone, gone... from one end of the spectrum to the other here, but we started off with very negative, then somebody's a bit in the middle, now we've got someone who's pretty positive about it. Uh-huh. This is nice. Okay. Next up, David. It's the proper James. James Courtney. <laughs> okay. He says... I quite Hello, James. Oh, well done. Well done for remembering. <laughs> he says, I quite like it. It's just a fun but thought-provoking adventure. I love Nardole's dressing gown and him going native. Interesting development to the Missy plot too. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Okay, now, David, next, I've got good news and I've got great news. Which do you want first? Um, Say the good news. Are the... <laughs> okay, the good news. The good news is our next message comes from BT Flibbity Giggard. Oh, fantastic. And what's the great news? The great news is he's kept it to two tweets in length this week instead of the standard wow. 14. Oh, well done. So we've got to cut your mid-pod like toilet break short. So if you want to go, you better be quick. <laughs> Okie doke. Okay, he says, I don't really have much to talk about with this one, mostly because nothing really happens, which is a shame because it's an interesting premise. Not to mention that it's the first episode of the new series written by a Classic Who writer. It's brought down primarily by an antagonistic that's really just lame. And the conflict between the Romans and the Scot is less compelling than it should have been. It's not completely awful, but it is boring. And at least with something awful, there's something to talk about. Right, so... Um... Started negative, we ended negative. We had some high highs in the middle there. So, um, is that so? Is that our last one, isn't it? Uh, we've got a couple sorry. more. Yeah. Sorry oh, to got a couple more. sorry to disappoint you, David, but there are a couple of other people. No, 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 that's fine. Okay. Next is Jake from the Married to Who podcast. Say hello, David. Hi, Jake. Okay. He says when we did uh, the Eater of Light for the podcast, this was the only story we ever did that I couldn't remember at all. Watching it for the pod was actually pretty enjoyable. It's not great, but I expected much worse and was pleasantly surprised. Excellent. Okay. And final message this week comes from Frank. Say hello, David. Hi, Frank. Okay. Frank says, I like small speakers. I like tall speakers. If they've music, they're wired for sound. Walking around with a head full of music, cassette in my pocket, and I'm going to use it. Stereo, out on the street, you know. Into the car, go to work, I'm cruising. I never think that I'll blow all my fuses. Traffic flows into the breakfast show. Power from the needle to the plastic. AM, FM, I feel so ecstatic. Now it's music I've found, and I'm wired for sound. Bit weird that he sent us Cliff Richard lyrics this week, isn't it, David? <laughs> that is unusual. I wouldn't have expected that from him. Yeah, it doesn't really answer the question I put out on Twitter, but guess take what you can get well, these days, don't you? Absolutely. Right. <laughs> um, all righty. So, um, that's all said and done, Matt. It is, like I said, we've had an interesting sort of spectrum of opinion there this week. So I'm very, very intrigued to know uh, what you thought about this episode, Matt. I really quite liked it. I, I'm so happy to hear that. I, I wouldn't say it was so amazing. Say, uh, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd maybe go good episode, some bad bits. But yeah, it was okay. Yeah. i tell you what, it, yeah. it really put me in mind of like an old classic who. I could, when people told me it was written by someone who'd written for classic... You can tell, can't you? Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. I, I, and that is an interesting bit of trivia. I mean, Rona Munro, one of the only women to have written for the new series up until this point, uh, one of only a handful, really, um, but also has the this distinction of being the only writer 
to have written for both Classic Who and New Who. Um, which is, you know, quite a unique honour, I think. Um, and not just any... Uh, she didn't write just anything for, for, for Classic Who. She wrote the final story of Classic Who. Oh, so it's her fault. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that's that's yeah, it must be quite an interesting honor to have. I, I I remember when this episode first came out, there was this sort of sense of a resounding sense of meh. Uh-huh. I don't remember there being. I think people either outright disliked it or just didn't have much to say about it at all. And I think that's a shame because I actually think it's quite a charming little episode. I, I don't know. Part of the trouble. Sorry, go on. I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this like on pod. Yeah. But I, I'm, I, I have two Scottish grandparents. My, my father was born right. in Scotland. Uh, when I got married, mm-hmm. I had my honeymoon in Scotland. When I got married, mm-hmm. I wore like full traditional kilts and everything. Uh, so I, I mm-hmm. have like a lot of love for Scotland, and I think that's yeah. what kind of roped me in a little bit. It was just nice to see yeah. something ob- different. Yeah, and obviously Rona Munro is a Scottish writer, so she's not she's not coming from a place of ignorance. And I think actually one of her main things I was skimming her Wikipedia earlier is that she's written a lot of plays around Scottish history. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just ha- double check here. Um, her history cycle, the James plays, James first, second, and third, were performed by National Theatre of Scotland in summer twenty fourteen. So, uh, yeah, she's she writes a lot about um, you know Scotland and and its history and stuff in in, in a lot of her work. So it per- perfect person to get in for for an episode like this in many ways, and. One of the things that immediately makes makes it very hard for me to be objective about this episode is that it's doing a lot of stuff in the realm of British folk horror. Mm. And in particular, based around a, a, a cairn. And I don't know whether I've mentioned it on, on, on pod, but I am a sucker for Neolithic standing stones. Okay. Like, I, 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 I will... I have dragged my partner across many a soggy field to go and look at an old stone. Um, she and, really is know, the unsung hero of this pod, isn't she? <laughs> she is. She is. No, I put um, up with you yeah, for two it's... hours a week. <laughs> she, yeah, for some strange reason, she has decided that I. I am an acceptable life partner. <laughs> I, I I find it as unfathomable as, as everyone else, to in all honesty. But but yeah, no, I, I really do love that. So anything that features standing stones in any way and, and like plays into the mystery of of those, I, I just I, I I lose all objectivity. Um there's a there's a there's a, a, a classic like seventies children's folk horror series called Children of the Stones. And it's objectively not great. It's it's solid, but it it's not a perfect thing by any means. And apart from anything else, it was kids' TV made in the nineteen seventies. But the vibe of it, 
I just, I, I could just eat it with a spoon. Um, well, did did you know so, that our own local ghost story was turned into a BBC television programme? No, I didn't. What, the Busby Stoop? No, no, no. Are or, you familiar no? with the BBC children's television show, Earthfasts? No, that one's passed me by. Uh, what? What? When was this? Okay, so this no. would have been late 90s. In fact, I'm mm. going to Google this just to get this right. Earth Fasts BBC. Uh, 1994. Right, okay. Uh, and no, that one passed me by. Are, are you aware of this, the ghost story of Richmond Castle? No, I don't think I am. Ah, right. Okay, so Richmond is a town. It is a town, isn't it? It's not a village in yeah. North Yorkshire. Yeah. And unsurprisingly, yeah. from the title of the story, it's got a castle in it. Yeah. And it was. Good a, castle, worth a visit. Yeah, but it was like impenetrable. People just couldn't get into it. So what mm. the invaders, I, I don't know the history well enough to know who was invading, who was defending. What they thought they would do mm. is they sent a boy into the sewer of the castle uh, with a drum mm. so they could map out where the sewer system was above ground. Right. So, okay. so they were above ground following him, playing this drum. And then, would you believe, David, all of a sudden the drumming stopped. And the boy was never found. But some people say, David, on a cold winter's mm -hmm. night, when the moon is full, you mm -hmm. can hear the drumming through the town. Yeah. And you so, know what? I love that. And somehow that got turned into a full BBC series. <laughs> I, I will watch that. I'm going to have to dig that out at some point. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I love all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I was predisposed to like this episode. And I do think it's charming. And, and one of the things I think is charming about it is that it's kind of slight. People say it's boring. I don't think it's boring. I think it's just... It's, it's contained. Mm -hmm. And I don't see that as a flaw. At all. Um, and yeah... I, I I have I have one major criticism of it, which we will get to in due course. But by and large, I really have a good time with this one. I enjoyed it first time around. I was disappointed that more people didn't have nice things to say about it. And I'm glad that it sounds to me, if our listener listeners are any kind of representative sample, that the fandom is slowly starting to wake up to this being a bit of a you know, a bit more solid than people gave it credit for. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to this one then. Uh, shall we get stuck into it? Okay, so, The Eaters of Light, written by Rona Munro, directed by Charles Palmer. Episode 10 of season 10 from the 17th of June, 2017. Yeah. Okay, so we open with Devil's Cairn in Scotland, and we're introduced mm -hmm. to Judy who just wants to hear some music. And the mm -hmm. boy says, no, 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 there's ghosts in the hill. And eventually we mm -hmm. hear the music playing. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Then a little crow lands and says, Doctor. Kind of like goes, Dog, Dog. And <laughs> when we look at the carvings in the stone, we see the TARDIS. Uh, oh, so. It's, I mean, it's a bit of a trope at this point of Doctor Who. You know, we've seen we've seen that the TARDIS in like Vincent Van Gogh paintings and stained glass windows and you know all the rest of it. But I do quite like it because I feel like you would if yeah. You know, but at the same time, really it's a big clue this... that a big adventure's coming. Exactly, it's nice. It's 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 not it's not overdone here. I don't think. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. Right. So the TARDIS appears. But this time, it's second century Scotland rather mm-hmm. than modern day. Yeah. And the Doctor basically wants to prove that he knows more than Bill about the Ninth Legion. Okay? And yes. I must admit, other than the Ninth Legion disappeared, I didn't really know anything about mm-hmm. them. Okay? Yeah, I, I keep meaning to kind of pop on and, and look at the Wikipedia page for it. I, I feel like it's a classic example of every so often you'll stumble across something on Wikipedia or something, or at least I will, and I think, ah, oh, you could write a Doctor Who story about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I feel like that's what's happened here. So Someone at some point has found this just... It's those little nuggets of history, little unexplained mysteries. Yeah, every time you just there's like, something oh, unexplained, just the Doctor did it. Yeah. Yeah, the Doctor and or an alien did it. And the Doctor was there. Um, Yeah, it's... But it's a good formula. Um, And it's used well in this episode. So, Bill says she's going to go look for the Legion. The Doctor says he's going to go look for the battlefield. So they part ways Mm. at this point. And this is where they part ways for pretty much... What, 75, 80% of the episode? It's only at the very yeah, end that they yeah. come back together, isn't it? And mm-hmm. it's quite. And co- again, that's something that's very classic Who. Mm. You, but, you quite often have stories where, where the Doctor and, and, and his companion turn up in a place, immediately get separated, and don't see each other again until episode four. But did they do it like this, where they're on effectively opposite sides of a battle? Because Bill spends the whole story with the Romans and the Doctor spends the whole story with the Celts. Yeah, often it'll be that you've got a couple of different factions at play within the story and, yeah, they end up on either side of those. Because uh, basically then you've got a means of understanding yeah. each side in a conflict and then they can come together and the Doctor can find some kind of peaceful solution to it. Um, yeah, it, 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 it definitely does have a lot of the structure of a classic story but just quite neatly condensed to fit the 45 minute model rather than being stretched over two hours so as she's looking for the legion something is watching bill and Mm. bill then finds a celtic girl who is immediately hostile and starts chasing bill who falls into a hole where she's then apprehended by a soldier. So it's not going well for Bill at this point. No, very rough start for Bill. Okay, but we see a crow again, this time speaking to Nardole. And, Mm -hmm. And 
I thought the crows were going to be a lot more important than they are in this story. Every time the crow speaks, no, they... I, I've like written it down as because I thought I was going to be really clever and get to the end and go, it was the crows <laughs> all along. No, they're really just seasoning uh, in this story. And one of the things, what, like I say, um, was it was it Amy who who said that that this story has a kind of poetic quality? Mm. I think it's that the crows add to that it's um i'm not a big fan of this term but it's a sort of magical realist kind of quality mm-hmm. that it gives it which is quite nice um yeah so uh, and we haven't mentioned as well nardo in his dressing gown <laughs> yeah yeah You're basically full arthur dent but um yeah nardo's great in this story yeah it's one of his like better outings, I would say, because he's given stuff to do. Yeah, he's always yeah. better when there's something to do rather than him just being in the background, saying random silly mm. things just to remind you he's the funny one. Yeah, I think it's the advantage of the fact that, um, you know, because 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 Bill's split off from the Doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, Nardal's now front and centre as, as someone for, for the Doctor to bounce off of. Um, yeah, he becomes companion, yeah. like, surrogate, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah. So, whilst in the hole with the soldier, Bill basically explains the TARDIS auto-translate. You know, because funnily, that's never yeah. been addressed in her tenure yet. You know, no, it's so weird for this to be coming in episode 10, isn't it? Yeah, for everything else being explained again so early in her run. Mm-hmm. Like, this being so late. Yeah, like, she's she's seen the Doctor have a fake-out regeneration and, and, like, obviously has, at some point, the Doctor has explained to her the concept of, of regeneration. And he, yet... It's never come up that the, the TARDIS can translate stuff, and and I guess that that does just is just down to the fact that, um, I don't know where where else yeah, has Bill been well, in the I, past where it would have been a problem. I know she says in well, the future the everyone speaks English. She's uh, well, she's she's been to a future Earth colony where people spoke, or well, what she thought was let's, plausibly could have been English. Right, let's go back to the beginning. Right, the pilots uh, all okay, on Earth. Do this. Right, smile, yeah. uh, smile, Earth future, colony in the human future. colony. Yeah, no reason why Bill wouldn't have thought that they'd speak in English. Uh, thin ice. That's the f- the past in London, isn't it? Past London. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, knock knock. That's modern day. Pre- yeah. Uh, oxygen. That's space again. Mm-hmm. And since it's capitalist, you could assume it was America, couldn't you? So, English. Yeah. yeah. Uh, extremists. Uh, that's all set she in never kind hit... of modern day, isn't it? But Yeah. Pyramid. I of... don't think she ever hears... Any anyone that she would expect to to speaking another language, speaking English. So yeah, except possibly all the people from the Vatican speak English. Well, it's one cardinal, like the Pope. She never hears speak anything other than yeah. Uh, yeah. Empress of Mars, um, they're British Legion, aren't they? So, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah. So it 
it, it genuinely, this is the first time she's met someone who either she would expect to be speaking a foreign or alien language. Yeah. It's a very, very interesting little quirk of this series. Yeah, so that that's... Well, they've done that quite well, actually. From from me criticising mm. them for not doing it sooner, they've actually done it at the appropriate time. Yeah. Right. So, the Doctor finds a soldier who has disintegrated bones. Yeah. Okay, he's just a big jelly. And he says an alien did this. And when he works mm-hmm. that out, he's now apprehended by the Celts. Okay. So, we've got the Doctor on one side with the Celts, Bill on the other with the Romans. So Bill yeah. and the soldier escape the hole, and he wants to look for other survivors. Except the mm-hmm. monster approaches and eats him. Mm-hmm. Bill legs it, and... What What do you think about the monster design for this loved one? Loved it. Yeah. You know, proper... Va- vaguely Lovecraftian, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I've mentioned before, I don't really care for Lovecraft, but it, it's good. Mm. It's a proper alien, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, so Bill legs it, where she's rescued by other soldiers in an underground cave. And Bill mm-hmm. drops down, she passes out from some monster slime. Now, is this yeah. a good time to tell you my second slime story? Why not that? Okay. I think that's a, you're not going to get a better chance at this stage. Okay, so when when we record pod, I sit at a desk in my spare room. It's the desk I'm sat at now. Yeah. And when I'm not recording pod, it's like my hobby desk. It's where I do all my yeah. my little hobbying and jobs. So I mentioned a mm-hmm. few times I like painting models, and one of the things I thought I'd do today is clean my paintbrushes. Okay. So yeah. I've got a big pot full of paintbrushes. Give it a little shake there. So mm-hmm. what I did was get a cereal bowl, put half an inch to an inch of uh, paintbrush cleaner in the bottom, and then stood my paintbrushes in it. But because some of them have got like a fine tip, you don't want them to sit on the bottom of the bowl because they'll bend. So yeah. what I did was blue tack them to the side of the bowl. And just kind of left them and thought nothing of it. And when I came upstairs to sort of get ready for recording this evening, basically the paintbrush cleaner, the fumes, had melted all the blue tack. And it it was just all over my desk was this, like, grey slime. And I couldn't even pick it up because it was a right mess, David. I'm pretty pretty Uh... certain it's going to lift the... uh, the finish off my desk as well. That's great. There's just Im- imagine wet blue tack. Oh, yeah, not pleasant. Not no. pleasant. So, second oh. time in a month I've told a story about how slimy my house is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but rest assured, Matt, if I ever have an adequate slime story to tell on pod, I will do so. Okay. I just don't seem to encounter slime no, me on a regular basis as you do. It's like bloody Ghostbusters in my house at the minute. <laughs> right. So, the girl from earlier who we saw encounter Bill is 
the leader of the Celts. She is the gatekeeper. And she's called mm-hmm. Car. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, she hates the Romans. Yeah. I mean, it, fairly legitimately, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, if history's anything to go by, <laughs> she's got pretty good reason to. Yes, indeed. Okay. So, when she's saying how the Doctor and Nardole are her prisoners, and, you know, oh, I'm angry, I'm an angry little Scottish girl, the Doctor just uses mm. Nardole's popcorn that he was going to have before bed, throws it into the fire yeah. to make a big bang, and plans his escape. And I, I, I do love, I think my favourite line of the whole episode is, is before, when, when Nardole's... Uh, off, offering to make some popcorn for everyone to, to kind of calm everyone down. Um, he, he, the doctor says, what are you doing? And uh, I says, I'm ingratiating myself. And the doctor's response is, well, don't, it's nauseating. <laughs> <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> that particular word, I think, is just perfect. Um, yeah, the, the interplay between... Um, Matt Smith, uh, um, sorry, not Matt Smith, um, Matt Lucas and uh, Peter Capaldi in this story, I think it is absolutely top draw. Did, did you see Peter Capaldi in the news today? Yeah, I, he's doing, he's doing um, the, the, the sort of press junkets at the moment, isn't he, for Suicide Squad? Yeah, so he just turned up in the middle of London with a 50-foot tall inflatable starfish. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. And according yeah. to... Now, I've seen some clips from interviews that he's done, but I, I, no, that one passed me by. Yeah, yeah. there's just loads of pictures of him looking ecstatic, like stood with a giant <laughs> starfish. And then, like, uh, I think... Is it James Gunn's directed it? He's put loads of yes. tweets out yeah. basically saying his favourite two things in the world are Peter Capaldi and this giant starfish. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, um, I'll be interested to see how big a role Capaldi has in in it, um, I, because obviously it's, it's an ensemble piece. I, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna take a gamble and say that he's probably not one of the big players, but I bet it's mm. a a show stealing performance. Probably, I am quite excited to see it. I I I. I I haven't kept up with DC movies at all. I think the last one I saw was Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I've seen the first Suicide Squad at all. I saw it at the cinema heard... and it, it wasn't... Mm. It. I've got a lot more hope for this one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a big fan of, of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, so... I'm already intrigued just because of James Gunn's involvement, but uh, yeah, I kind of feel like I should probably give the first one a go. Like some people are quite, you know, actually say it's it's not as bad as its reputation at the time was, um, but yeah, yeah, there's only so much time. Yeah, I think time. it comes out on Friday, <laughs> so I'll probably go see it over the weekend. Mm. Probably go Saturday Excellent. when my wife's um, at work. And then tell her that I was at home doing all the chores. <laughs> Alrighty, so where, where, where are we up to? Um, 
So we've done the popcorn. So as the Doctor escapes, he learns that the gate is opening. And he sees the monster that I've described as... I was going to add it to our list of giant space fish. Because it's kind of swimming round, but it's not really a fish, is it? It's sort of vaguely squid-like, isn't it? Yeah. So the Doctor then leaves the cave where the gate is and says, Bloody hell, have you seen what's going on in there? Turns out he's been missing for two days, whereas he thinks it's only... Mm -hmm been a few moments and i like that when yeah. he comes out nardole's just gone full tribal he's got his face tattooed <laughs> yeah. and everything just like oh i've been yeah. fitting in because yeah. the doctor's like why didn't you go look for bill and he's just like oh i'm just yeah. having a great time and he's in the middle of like telling them a completely different explanation for the murray celeste yeah um d which despite the fact that that has already been tackled in universe in Doctor Who in the past. Yeah. So I think it's like it's like uh, Pompeii as well. I think there's something like three separate doctors have been present <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> during Pompeii. Um but yeah. Yeah. Turns out that episode was pretty important, wasn't it? <laughs> After me writing it off Indeed. as just like average whatever. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't even talking about that though. There's like, there's if you take in like novels and big finish and stuff like that, there's just like entirely separate stories that would that you would if to put it all together, they have to be happening simultaneously. <laughs> um, yeah, Doctor Who continuity is a is an absolute mess. Um, anyway, right. So, uh, the soldiers. The Romans that have been painted as the enemy, the bad guys this far, are actually mm -hmm. quite kind to Bill. They've taken her like under their wing and they explain yeah. that sunlight will cure her ailment. You know, whatever the black slime is that she's had put on her will be cured by sunlight. Okay. Yeah. Then we get a huge big expedition dump from Carr who tells the Doctor, mm -hmm. in every generation, a warrior faces the Eater of Light so that it can't break through. Okay? Yeah. If they don't, then it will make its way fully through to our time, our dimension, and it will wreak havoc. Okay? Yeah. So, she is that chosen warrior. Because um, I think we see her earlier, don't we, say, oh, go get the gatekeeper's things, but it turns out that gatekeeper had just died and she's the new one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So back with Bill, we get a lovely bit where the Romans are really accepting of her sexuality. And if anything, they think <laughs> that she's quite prudish and like old fashioned. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, really clever, sweet little scene that, isn't it? Yeah. Especially when they're like, oh yeah, I'm normal. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And... Obviously, it's just like, why why would you just like girls? Why don't you like everything like mm. I do? And, mm. yeah, it's quite good because, obviously, we've seen Bill not being, like, not ashamed, but she's been quite shy when it comes to her sexuality, hasn't she? Yeah. You know, obviously, just, we've seen it with her stepmom who doesn't quite get it and things like that. Yeah. Just because it's... It, it it you know it'll take it takes a bit of energy to kind of 
constantly be correcting people who make sort of like heteronormative assumptions or whatever, you know, that takes it out of you. So it's, it's, it some, you know, obviously she's decided at a certain point with her foster mum to just be like, I'm just not going to bother. I'm, I'm just going to kind of grit my teeth. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. So it, it's a very sweet scene. <laughs> so we find out at this point that Carr had let the eater of the world through so that it could fight the Romans on her behalf, as well as the Romans fighting it on her behalf. Mm. Hoping that it would kill off some of the Romans, meanwhile the Romans would weaken it enough that she could easily defeat it. Yeah. Okay. So, Bill, now that she's gained the trust of the soldiers, tries to rally them to go above the ground and help her find the Doctor. Okay. The Doctor himself now has a plan and says we need to tackle the beast before sunrise. And yeah. this is where they're finally reunited as Bill leads the soldiers. One of them gets eaten. But they rise back up. Okay. And mm -hmm. they're in like it's the main homestead of the Celts when they come above yes. ground. And because of the TARDIS translation matrix, they can now finally all understand one another. So, yeah. you know, the, the Celts that were speaking, what, Scottish? Primitive Scottish? And Ga I guess Gaelic, Gaelic, yeah. Sorry, that's the word I'm looking for. And the Romans, mm -hmm. obviously speaking Roman? Latin. Latin. Okay. Um they can now finally all understand one another. Okay. Yeah. And the good bit where the doctor says, what do you sound like? And they all say children. And Bill realizes mm -hmm. that's how he, he is everybody. And yeah. they form a temporary alliance for now. Yeah. Okay. Again, I think, I think Capaldi is great in that scene. Like it, it's such a doctory moment mm. you know just taking these these people that should be completely at odds but because the, the sheer fact that they're in the vicinity of the TARDIS and for the first time ever they can actually talk to each other mm. and understand each other all of a sudden there is you know he's able to kind of hit pause on the on the animosity and say hey look there's actually bigger things to worry about <laughs> so yeah just it's kind of again just very it would it, it sounds pejorative if i say doctor who by numbers but sometimes you just want you know you or at least i want doctor who to just do what doctor who does best <laughs> and i feel like that's a good example of that so the doctor works out that the monster eats light but mm -hmm. it hunts based on sound. So he calls on the band to play music to draw the monster out so they could make a trap. Yeah. And as the monster approaches, they stun it. I... Sorry, the other thing I was going to say, this is, I think this is the moment where I need to mention the one big criticism I have of this story. Go on. Which is that Murray Gold should not be allowed to write folk music. <laughs> really? Because he is terrible at it. 
it's basically one four bar phrase it just repeats over and over and over again and fat sounds incredibly inauthentic how hard would it have been for him to actually do a, a little bit of research and find some kind of traditional tune to, to, to use as the basis for this? It, it just, it's so repetitive and grating. And <laughs> as someone who, who, who actually enjoys uh, folk music, I find it infuriating. <laughs> Though I do like Nardole's comments. <laughs> it's even worse than jazz. Yeah. Um, which I also really love. So, um. yeah, I I forgot to mention it. I liked it earlier as well, where the doctor works out that the guy's skeleton failed because he hadn't had mm. any sunlight, and he's like, "Oh yeah, death by Scotland." <laughs> there are some really funny little lines in this ep- this episode. I don't. It really mystifies to me why why people are so kind of just bleh about it a lot of the time. Mm. It's, I think, I think it's charming. See, one, th- I would say my one thing that I didn't understand is the mm. monster eats sunlight. Like yeah. it's even called the eater of the light. Mm-hmm. But when it enters this cavern, they stun it using light. Like, is that because sort of? Is it had too big a feed and it's just got to like loosen its belt? You know, when you get I the feel meat like it sweats. Was, it's sort of. It sort of refracted in a weird way or something, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, through that There's stone. Some... Yeah, so it's kind of... Do you think it's just it's red It's a bit light. thrown away. It doesn't like. Maybe. I don't know. It's 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 a very sort of thrown away line to explain it. But you know what? I, I just go with it. Yeah, because the, there before. is a bit where the Doctor says to Carr, he goes, what's that? Yeah. And she goes, oh, it stuns mm-hmm. it. And he goes, right, go get more. But he, it's never explained. Yeah, um, but that honestly, that doesn't bother me. I, you know, I, I, I've said before, um, story to me is is secondary to just how how an episode makes me feel. Like so long as the plot doesn't just d- deteriorate into pure inconsistent nonsense, so long as it feels like it's internally m- makes sense and it strikes an interesting tone throughout. That's what matters to me ultimately. That's what I carry with me is how it made me feel, not the, the exact nuts and bolts of how the problem was solved or, or what have you. Um, apologies, listeners, by the way, if you can hear my dog digging in his bed. Yeah, right now. that's it. I, I was just wondering what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all that is. That's just Moss having a little dig. Okay. Hopefully, at a certain point, he will he will consider his bed to be sufficiently scraped right. for him to settle down in it. So once they've attacked the monster enough, it goes through yeah. the portal, and the doctor says, "Look, I'm gonna have to guard it, aren't I, to make sure it doesn't come back? Uh, you guys will die. You've got short life spans. You know, someone needs to guard it till the sun goes out." Yeah. Okay. So, Car steps up. Because she's been a bit of a wet blanket so far, this story. And says, mm-hmm. I'll guard it. And then the Ninth Legion come forward and say, look, we'll do it too. We're the best soldiers. We'll make sure it doesn't come back. Okay. 
So the doctor lectures them and says, no, 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 it's got to be me. And then I couldn't work out whether it was Bill or one of the townsfolk knocks the doctor down to stop him from interfering. And when he's laid on the floor, the soldiers and car enter the portal. Yeah. Which, at first, I was like, oh, good, that's that. But too many of them go through at once and the portal collapses. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, and the portal collapses. Yeah. So, when they're back outside, there's a boy that we've seen a little bit throughout this story talking to the crows, and he says, look... I think, is he, is he Carr's brother? I think, I think he think so. Carr's brother. I think so. Yeah. And he says, look, we can't afford to forget what's happened. From now on, all the crows should say Carr. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Because... Is it earlier in the episode where uh, the Doctor says crows have always been able to talk but they're just in a sulk with humans because of how we treat them? Yeah. And that's why we don't listen? Okay. Yeah. So, Bill, at this point, reminds the Doctor that he's got a vault to guard and he can't take on every fight. Yeah. Except he hasn't got a vault to guard because when we go back to the TARDIS, Missy's there. And it turns out she's yeah. not just there, but she's also been working for the Doctor, mending the TARDIS. Yeah, I love I love that she gives him a little scolding. Because it's like, you know the, ma- the Master must be like better at TARDIS maintenance than the Doctor, because the, the Doctor never bothers with it, you know. Yeah, and the Master's been everywhere. Yeah. And, and unlike unlike the doctor, the master usually has a plan, mm-hmm. and like actually likes a little bit of organisation. So uh, it makes total sense to me that 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 the master is actually a little bit of a swat and knows how TARDISes work properly, instead of the doctor who has just been wigging it yeah. for multiple lifetimes. So yeah. She's in the TARDIS. She's bio-locked in the TARDIS. So she can't access the doors to escape. She can't um, access the panels to actually use the TARDIS. She's just trapped. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. And the episode ends with her saying to the Doctor, you know, "What, what was the point? Why are you always on these adventures? And he says, for all your power, you never hear the music. And we get a nice scene mm. where it's the girl from the beginning, uh, Judy. Here's the music at Devil's Cairn, okay? Because the band still plays under the hill, keeping out mm-hmm. the eater of light. And this time, Missy does hear the music, and we see her shed a single tear. And the Doctor mm. suspects she might have changed. The end. Yeah. And, once again... Isn't Michelle Gomez brilliant? Oh, she's the best. Like, she's she's only had... It feels like she's been in this series more than she has. She's really only had a handful of scenes. But she makes every single moment count in all of them. Yeah, um, she's brilliant. Yeah. So, anyway, on that note, that does it for uh, The Eaters of Light. Next week, Matt, we will be discussing... World Enough and Time. Is that two episodes? 
No, that is one episode uh, entitled World Enough and Time. All oh, right. I thought it was going to be a two-parter. World Enough and Time. <laughs> no, we're just doing the one episode. Um, but, um, yeah. Um, it'll be very interesting to get your thoughts on that one in due course. Literally so no idea things... what that could be about. No. Um, well, I might as well tell you. It's a, it is an unusual title. It's a quotation from a poem. Uh, I thought it bloody would be. Um, but anyway do join us next week for that listeners Uh, but until then as always thank you so much for listening and cheerio bye now thank you for listening to neither the time nor the space if you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.